cheers to episode 25. Cheers. Cheers. Whoa. Epic. Ah, Corona Premier. Water. So I'm lining Kugel's summer shanty. Yes. Things I love about summer. Lion Cool Summer Shandies. I actually don't really like those that much. Well, they don't like you. So, we are recording this show, show 25, on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021, at 6.54 p.m., and we are almost exactly one week away from getting Cade Cunningham. Let that sink in. This will be the last week of your life that Cade Cunningham is not a piston. So can't wait to buy the jersey. Can't wait. I'll get one too. So before we get into more sports, let's dive into what happened to each of us the last week. I'm gonna throw it to Alex to start this one off. Alex, how was your week? Week was good. Not super exciting during the week. Uh, this weekend was pretty fun. Went to Michigan State University. Evan should have went, but you know, you'll find out why he didn't. But went to the bars in East Lansing because COVID is over, as we mentioned. Kind of. And yeah, they were a lot of fun. Saw some uh, basketball players at the bar. That was pretty cool. Not to be a fanboy or anything, but still cool to see them. And yeah, just had a had a good time. And then last night I golfed. I played all right. I had I finished bogey bogey, child oh. thirty eight. So oh. a little disappointing, but bad finish. Yeah. Yep. That's what happens when you can't get off the tee. But that's it. I'm not an exciting person. No, that was super boring. I just didn't do anything wow. super exciting. I'm sorry. So I mean, we'll let you go last on this one because I'm going to dovetail off of uh, Alex. I also made it to East Lansing this weekend. Uh, weekend of a couple firsts. The only bars I had ever really been to on East Lansing's campus are Harper's and uh, Rick's. Thankfully, I was able to go back to Rick's uh, for the first time in four four years, maybe like a, like a homecoming reunion. Four years felt great. Seems like a long time. No, it's pretty pretty accurate. We haven't gone in, in forever to to Rick's. Um, pressured the group into going there and it was awesome. It, it wasn't as packed as I remember. It smelled like a bathroom immediately when I walked down, down the steps. So that's just classic Rick's. Um, bathrooms are still gross, speaking of the bathrooms. But the drinks were cheap. The music is the best music in East Lansing. There's not no bar that plays better music than Rick's. Prior to that night, I made my first appearance ever at Fieldhouse. Um, that was pretty cool, I guess. Um, there was no upstairs available, so I feel like maybe I didn't get the full picture. Their music, they just play way too loud. Couldn't even hear my own self think, let alone other people talking. It was outrageous. But it was it was okay. It was pretty packed at like 9, 30 to 10, so that's always a good sign for a bar. Surprisingly enough, did not make it into Harper's. The line was always super long, um, but that's okay because they play EDM music like we talked about last week. So that place is kind of been going downhill, uh, Chop Harper's. And then went to... Lou and Harry's is what I'm going to refer to it as because I didn't know that's the real name. Everyone said Lou Haas. And I always wondered how that was spelled. And I showed up and it's called Lou and Harry's. I go, I've been lied to this whole time. This is Lou and Harry's. <laughs> so went there. Um, 
and since I'm not a Michigan State fan, it won't be like I'm fanboying. I'm an unbiased observer of what I saw at said bar. Um, one, Gabe Brown is not transferring from Michigan State. The kid is absolutely living it up on weekend nights. He's loving life. Um, so shout out him. He's super happy. Um, Tyson Walker has a disgusting Euro step, um, which he showed off twice in the bar, um, walking down the aisle to get drinks. You know, just kind of Euro step around people in the bar. So I'm sure that'll translate to the basketball court. And if Maddie Sissoko, if you watch this, shout out you. You're a legend. Uh, my favorite Michigan State player. I don't know why, but I just love the guy. And uh, it just seemed fitting. He wore like a nice polo to the bar. Like that's just the most Maddie Sissoko thing I've ever seen. And I love that. He's just a wholesome guy. So those are my observations. On that note, also, uh, Julius Marble and Malik Hall were there as well. Super nice dudes. Just wanted to say that. They're really nice. Had a brief conversation with Julius Marble about nothing. Not a big deal. And he pretended Not to be a deal. lacrosse player. But yeah, I think that was really it for my week. Got a wedding coming up this coming weekend. Shout out summer wedding season. So let's go. We're back on the you, summer wedding circuit. You just blew your recap for next week. Now everyone knows what you're doing. No, then I tell them how the wedding went. Like last time I had a wedding. Uh, Evan, the last one to go. How was your week? This last week, um, the week, like Alex's, not really exciting. Nothing much went on. Um, Friday, celebrated my mother's birthday. Shout out, Michelle. So we went to Shout the out. Tigers game. Happy birthday, nice. Michelle. Um, and I was 100% committed to buying my Casey Mice jersey. I was going in there. Like, my number one goal to walk out of that America Park shop was to ha- be wearing a Casey Mice jersey. No. <laughs> It's complete disappointment in this shop. There was only one, take that back, there was a couple more, but you can only find like a Cabrera jersey in like any size. What? Other than that, there was one Akil Badu jersey. There was one uh, Dylan Dingler Michael jersey. Ford jersey. And there was one Jake Rogers jersey. And I hope you're what? like a double XL or an extra large jersey. Other than that, nothing. What? I got a Casey Mize T-shirt jersey. All right. As work. the uh, you're gonna allow that stepchild of the option. Now. Um, I said I was gonna buy Casey Mice jerseys, but they don't have them, so now I'm gonna have to go online. And you know, this is gonna be a shout out to at the Tigers. You know, like come on, he's the best prospect in the farm system. You should have a jersey. Um, but the game was fun. The concession stand service was terrible, <laughs> and. Oh, it was it was miserable. What happened? I think every well now that they don't have like vendors going up and down the aisles oh. because of COVID. Hmm. Like you won't you won't see it. So now everybody has to go to the concourse to get a drink. I didn't think of this until I was waiting in line. I bet I was in line for like two and a half, three innings. No way. Well that's a long time, Evan. Yes. Evan, that's like a full hour but, almost. Yeah. I can't believe you waited that long. That's a ride for Cedar Point. Because as soon as you get in line, you're like, all right, I can't get out because I just wasted a bunch of time. Absolutely. You, you definitely can't abandon. I, I got my, I bought my mom a drink. It was a daiquiri, like, uh, shout out Luke for the tiger fuel. Yeah. Um, great drink. And then I got in line and I was like, dude, I saw this dude carrying like these uh, like Supreme like nachos. I was like, yep, I'm getting those. <laughs> got in line for that. I think it would go fast. No. I think I was in line for that for 45 minutes. Were they worth it? The only good are these separate lines. 
Yeah, they were. So you spent six of the nine innings in line? No, 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 no. Like four or five minutes of that one, I was like in the outer line for like 15, 20. Total three innings. Total. Two to three. Got it. The only good thing about like the nacho line was like I was like the stand was really right behind home plate. So I was thankful I was watching the game while I was standing in line the entire time. That's good. Mm. Service stunk. Um, And then I was getting a couple of text messages from people in Decompsy. Like, dude, take cover. It is downpouring here in T-Town. And I was just sitting in in my seat enjoying myself, just downing the nachos. And I was like, it's not going to rain here. Cue, like 30 minutes later, just rain starts. It wasn't like a heavy rain, just enough to like piss you off, basically for sitting there like I'm getting wet. And then the tarp came on and started downpouring, delay. We left. We should didn't have it was like a 45 minute delay we waited like 10 15 minutes thinking they would start they did it we left listened to the game time home run on the radio home um a little bit of disappointment we didn't get to see it michelle was a little upset she didn't get to see it but they did oh. lose so so, did, so that was my friday night did you end and up having uh there, did you end up having soggy nachos from the rain because that sounds disgusting i think you downed them before. I, I i did down them before the rain started <sighs> thank goodness I, I could tell you did that would have been nice. Oh, too. yeah. I did. And then Saturday and Sunday, I had a baseball tournament down at Swanton. Mm-hmm. Saturday, the unfortunate thing, I'm going to, there's an asterisk next to this win. We played great baseball all weekend. Uh, pitched really well. Shout out to my pitchers. Shout out. Um, but there's only three teams in our, in our age group. Hmm. So we only played two other teams. Um, Beat both of them on Saturday, so we were the one seed going into Sunday. Sunday comes around, and we do it. We finally do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. We bring this bad boy home. Yes. Stand up, 11, you come see arrows. That's huge. We finally did it. After all the you know the letdown Sundays, after all getting mercy 21 nothing earlier in the year, you know, being a one seed in a couple other tournaments and then laying an egg. You know, we bring the hardware home. Yes. This is the deep trophy. And, you know, being 24 years old and, uh, you know, being active on the college campuses, you know, that you kind of don't really want me carrying this around. But we were making jokes on the way out. You're like, dude, this is going to be such a chick magnet. i expert. I can't wait. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just don't, don't ask how many teams we had to beat to get it. <laughs> yes. Just know that I am a champion. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was Sunday. It was a great win. Good relief. We have one more tournament next weekend to wrap it up because then the kids start literally districts. Great memories there. Um, so my weekend. Oh, and then golf league last night. Yes. Big battle. Big battle. Drew and I are in third place. We faced the first place team in my dad and Wally. And Sandbagger Wally. Out. Sandbagger Wally, correct. We got out to a hot start. And I, Drew and I are sitting there like giggling to ourselves. So each hole's worth three points. Drew and I, first hole, two and a half. Second hole, two and a half. Third hole, two and a half. What well, happened? We're up seven and a half to one and a half. And we're like, dude, we're feeling good. And, you know, handicaps, they each had to give us a stroke, you know, whatnot. We still beat them. And then Wally turns it on. Shoots like even the last six holes. My dad shoots a back nine, 34 to shoot one under. And we just couldn't beat it. Just couldn't beat it. Wow. Um, I did have a blow up hole, which hurt. 
I just got frustrated. The previous hole got frustrated, carried over to the next hole. Oh. You know, something golf you shouldn't do. Your dad was a fun you. time. Position night is next week. Um, can't wait for that. So you'll hear the full rundown next week because I'm pretty sure I play with my brother and shout out Gino who's going to listen to this on Thursday. Um, I'm pretty sure we played them on position night. Nice. What place are you in now? I believe we stayed in third. My dad was staying first. I think KP and Costco will still stay in second. I no, heard they I, took a lot of points from They're Lou going Bob. to first. Huh? I think they're going to first. Word on the street is they took 26. Ooh, come on, Bob. Um, so, okay, so those two will still play each other. I don't care what position they are, and then I'm pretty sure it'll be my team versus my brother's team. And then me. I'm in the group right behind you. Are you? So you're skyrocketing up to fifth? Well, we were sixth, so that would not be oh. quite the skyrocket. but It would be skyrocket one position. We also didn't have our – I didn't give a breakdown of my match because our playing partners did not show up. So we just oh. have to play alone. Oh. So we'll not know. Second time already that's happened. So next week matters a lot is what I'm gathering. Position night. It's the halfway point and you match up in the standings. It's a big deal. Do people drink less on that night just because they're so focused? People usually suck more, I can tell you that. People get rattled by the pressure. Wow. Especially Evan. I I have no pressure. I talked to this with Gino today. Like I do not feel pressure. I felt more pressure Sunday when we were in the fourth inning and we were only <laughs> up three to two. And I was like, all right, who's going to pitch next inning? Who's off the bat? I'm like, I need to base it out of somebody. I felt more pressure coaching 11 new baseball than standing on the first tee of 10's tee box. Like, what's the worst thing happened? I hit a bad shot. Yeah. Back on your baseball thing really quick. I never understood the concept of the head coach just gets to keep that trophy because if you think about it, usually it's like a 40-year-old dad. What are they going to do with that trophy if their son's not on the team? Like, Evan, you don't have a kid on the team. You're just keeping that trophy forever? Like, the kids oh, earned me, it, I, and you're I, keeping it. I said it. the same thing. Greg, my assistant coach, he has Jake on the team. I was like, take this. Like, yeah, that makes more sense. He's like, no, I'm not taking it. It's yours. I was like, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm 24. I don't need to have this like sitting in my room. So like, nope, it's yours. So that's when I started joking. I'm like, dude, shake magnet. <laughs> yeah, what a weird concept. Yeah, I love it because I know Grant has some because his dad was the coach. So Grant gets to keep the trophies. Yeah, we used to like rotate it between the other like assistant like head coaches. Like, all right, you take this one. Take, but we, I mean, we, I mean, we kept some of the like the nice ones. There's some massive trophies downstairs that I don't know where they're at. And I never look at So at the end of the day, you'll never really look at them. <laughs> but they're cool. On the, the drive home with them is awesome. So yeah, we accomplished this. Speaking of accomplishments in the world of sports, just kind of quick kind of quick national things like we did last week that we saw um, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the Detroit Lions stuff. I just wanted to say, we were, it was funny, we were talking about how last week could the Pistons ever contend again um, thanks to my panicked brain. And we were talking about how a lot of times you have to catch breaks in the playoffs. And wouldn't you know, it looks like we'll see what happens tonight, but how fast things changed in the nets buck series where the Nets in the whole NBA where the Nets were like, oh, they're winning the title no matter what this year. It looks so good, unstoppable. And then you just have two two freak injuries or two random injuries. And now it's completely different. So that kind of um put the feather in the cap of like the Pistons thing. Like, you know, if they ever got to that Bucks level, um, you never know what can happen. Like people can get hurt and whatnot. 
And then I wanted to personally say I am happy for the Phoenix Suns making the conference finals because in tying it back into the Pistons, when I watch them, it gives me hope for the Pistons one day because I feel like the blueprint they've laid out could be something that the Pistons can emulate. Like we talk about in the draft, Kate Cunningham could be like a Devin Booker. Um, Isaiah Stewart could give you DeAndre Ayton hustle ability. And then you go sign your cemented guy in a Chris Paul type veteran. And then you, you ride off into the sunset and see what you do. So very happy for them and excited to watch them. Um, do you feel bad at all that the Pistons could have drafted Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker? Like we could have just had those guys and now they're yes. about to be playing in the Western Conference Finals? Once a month. I, you like didn't need to bring that up. Once a month. You just did we, not. Evan, we could have had it. Our, our team could have – our core, our big three, our young three could have been Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, and Chris Middleton if we just kept – if we kept Chris and drafted those two. So mm, – Feels bad. Feels disgusting. <laughs> and even Luke Kennard is like making two threes a game wow. in moments for the Clippers. It's so. okay. <laughs> and Reggie Jackson is an alpha male on the Clippers now. I mean, what is going on? We were paying him. I don't know. Contract. Also, too, the NBA, and I, it, I don't care as much because I don't really care about the teams that much, but that is so soft to eject Nikola Jokic in that game. It really made me mad for as someone who didn't really care about the game that much. But I was just thinking, like, if that happened to the Pistons in a future playoff game, I, I would be so frustrated that I would almost have to take a break from the NBA and just how I, I hate to be the old guy yells at clouds like everything's so soft nowadays. But that it wasn't anything more than like a technical at the very least or a flagrant one, whatever they call it, like to eject the guy because he swiped too hard and and he also got some of the ball. Like yes, he hit his nose, but he also got the ball. So that's disgusting. So shame on the NBA for that. The disgusting display in game four it was. If LeBron did that, he would not be ejected. If an MVP does that, you do not eject. No, because LeBron's pampered by the NBA, so of course he A would. lot of big-name guys would not get ejected. So I was a little surprised. It's ridiculous. It's, pretty it's even worse that Djokovic has no history of like a hard foul or yeah, nice like zero. Zero histories. And it's like a playoff foul. It's like a lot of people say, like, you're going harder. You get a little more frustrated because it is playoff time. Kind of let that stuff slide. And, like, give them a technical and move on. And then it just seems like the rest, like, want to be evolved in the game. Where, like, yeah, look at the call that we made. Like, no, go away. We want to see the MVP on the court trying to defend it, see if he gets swept or not. And then get taken away. And, like, I think it was, like, the third quarter, wasn't it? Or was it early in the fourth? I think it was early it was fourth. Fourth. Fourth-ish. Mid-fourth. Okay. There was still a good chunk yeah. of time left. And the game was game, yeah. that you're taking away their mm-hmm. best player, the guy that their offense runs through, and the service to the Nuggets. Disgusting, gross. And the last thing I had before we get into the Lions um, on my side was a follow-up to Alex's rumor mill segment of the week. Our favorite reporter, not favorite reporter, great reporter, and Adrian Wojnarowski. Followed up on Alex's rumor because he heard Alex throwing that out in the rumor mill. Actually, he threw out um, that rumor, and I just read his sources. Rumor. Michigan's Juwan Howard continues to tell NBA teams he's not interested in even a discussion on leaving Ann Arbor. Um, so there you go. Wrap your bow on it. That rumor looks like it is not going to be coming true at least this offseason cycle. It feels good. Feels good to see that from Woj. Obviously, things can change if a bag is dropped, but it felt good that. There was a statement made that he doesn't even want to discuss it. Not even interested in discussing it. So that feels nice. If he made the Final Four, this might be a different discussion. 
But you think so? He's back to prove something. If you want a national championship, maybe, but I think just winning that game and then losing the next one. I think one, the way they exited nah. probably left a bad taste in his mouth. And I love that. Let's get after it in the offseason. Do you guys have any other quick hitters that you saw in the world of sports before we dive into the lie downs? Well, Lions. there's another thing on this sheet that you had. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I'm excited about the Michigan wide receiver. Uh, transfer Dalen Baldwin. I watched his tape from uh he played for Prime's team, Coach Prime's team, Jackson Jackson State. Jackson State, and he looks sweet and I'm and he'll start and I'm excited. I'm predicting he'll start. I don't know if he will. I think he will. I got two things that both Tigers related, the mm-hmm. world of sports. First, shout out Bo Boros. Um <laughs> did he stay up too late? Just... Were those Big cats had the best. Those were like you just took a shot at tequila, like at dinner, <laughs> and you want to get rid of it. You kind of hold it in oh, for a God. second. I forgot about on the that. mound. Yes, yeah. hot, and he just let it out. Like I love to see that. Oh, it was disgusting because we we were talked about for a while, even though it was like a blowout game. Mm-hmm. Um, in a oh. second, um, Alex, you should be happy about this for the Tigers farm system. Torkelson and Dingler got promoted from the Whitecaps to Double A Erie, so they are moving up quickly. Uh, in the farm system, Dingleballs was named. Uh, let me get this right. Has been named the High A Central Player of the Week. Huge. He did last week. He batted 550, OPS of 1.627, eight RBIs and seven extra base hits. Yeah, he's pretty in good. One week. Let's bring him up to the bigs. But he just is about it. All you have to do is follow this Detroit Tigers player development Twitter account. Everybody, go follow. I'll give you a second to go follow. Shout out them. Are you waiting for us to do it? Right they. Okay. No, you don't have we to do follow them on some. Shout out to the the the, the our fans. Don't know our nickname. They just tweet highlights mm-hmm. of like our farm system and everything, and most of the time it's just Torkelson just hitting bombs. Like his swing, usually like the left handers have like a pretty swing, but his swing right handed is, is like picture perfect. So compact, and he uses those thighs we talked about just to drive through the baseball. He's going to be a good player, I hope, with great thighs. And then to piggyback on that, the last thing, Matt Manning. Top prospect now, uh, or number three pitching prospect in the organization. Might be number three prospect overall behind those two guys that I haven't talked about making his debut on Thursday against the Angels. It's about time. Against Otani. So welcome to the yes. show, kid. <laughs> I mean, that is intense. And that's not because he's been playing great. That's because uh, Boyd got hurt. So we'll see how it goes. Gets to face the, uh, the best player in baseball that no one talks about. What? Everyone talks about Shohei Otani. No, Grant. Mike Trout. The he's actual. hurt. He is hurt? He's yeah, injured. he doesn't He's play. been injured. He's not coming back until after the All-Star Welcome break. to the show, Alex. <laughs> well, either way, they didn't talk about him last <laughs> That's week. why no one's discussing Mike Trout. Because he's injured. He's still For the best player in baseball. A long time. Now, they lead the show every single week. I don't know about you guys. I don't get tired of it. I love this team. I love football. I love the NFL. The Detroit Lions. Because they released their Inside the Den episode three. I was about to say it's better than Hard Knocks. It's not. The production value is not there. They don't have a cool narrator. But it's, it's more I, – I, I listen more closely on every word than I do Hard Knocks because it is our team. And I'm grateful that they do this to give us some content. So as we did with the – we reviewed episode one. We didn't do two because it was like right in the middle of the draft. So there was too much going on there. Um, this one still kind of kind of strange. It was still about the draft. It was like post draft and the whole draft still. So I wasn't as hyped for it, but it was still cool. So we'll go through like 
basically, did you have any main takeaways from it that were like insightful or like you think hint to the season? Or also you can go the route of um, things that you just thought were laugh out loud funny or things that concerned you um, about this. So you can do a mix of all three. So we kind of just do like the whole round table thing where Alex, you can lead us off and Evan and me and we'll just throw out what, what we thought after we watched this. I'll go funny first because there's a lot of funny stuff in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I don't go, know if it's good. Like I don't, yeah, I don't know could, if I like how much I, la- I laugh at the organization when I'm watching. But one of the things I thought was pretty funny was that in the draft room every day, Sheila and Br- Brad was teaching Sheila like everything about a draft and, and free agency, and she's like coaching him. And I just thought it was the, one of the most bizarre things ever. The owners just sitting there like watching PowerPoint, basically learning how to draft football players, and then also. On that note, the amount of hugs between Brad and Sheila was quite a bit. And just I mean, everyone, I would say. Just so much hugging. It's a big hugging family. It's a, it's a lot of love and a lot of hugs. Got kind of, I don't know, a little weird. I'm not a hugger. That's a lot of hugs. I'll just piggyback off that one quickly. It'll go as one of my points. is because I wrote down, I am pro-Sheila after, after watching this and so far. And I think we need to start viewing her as different than the rest of her family members who were like the head owners of this. I like I'm getting from this that it's not like a fake if, if she's faking it she's like the best actress of all time I think she genuinely cares about this team's success and she just sweet, seems like this very sweet and still smart old lady who wants to like wants success in Detroit and I don't know I just love that she's asking questions like willing to like learn and even giving some of her input I, I don't know I just I'm pro Sheila I think she wants to win definitely mm-hmm I had the same thought like when I was watching this is like Sheila coming in stepping in she obviously definitely cares more but like her standpoint like imagine if you were in her shoes and you're watching like your parents just run an organization or run like a business and then they just completely like don't care enough or they're doing stuff when you're in the background like no I would do it this way I'll do it this way and then when you have your shot you're gonna put all your effort and energy into it and I think that's what she's doing so far yeah which is great to see in for the Lions so, with that being said, I'll go with another funny thing. Camel. So, Dan, you know, if you just watched it and took a shot every time he says big guy, <laughs> I think he would have been drunk probably halfway through it. Yeah. And so, like, I bring this up because he calls um, McNeil, our defensive tackle that we drafted from North Carolina State. He calls him. He's like, what's up, big guy? You know, drafting a prospect, you might want to, like, call him by his first name or his last name. But, <laughs> no, first words, what's up, big guy? And then – he McNeil, I'm pretty sure, just goes, What's up? <laughs> and then Dan just asked him, You're ready to be a line? He's both show. And it's just like the most nonchalant conversation. He's like, dude, you just got drafted by like an NFL organization. You should be lucky. And just he was just like, faux show. I thought it was just hilarious. Yeah, no, I agree. I wrote that one down. He was like, the way I spelled it too was funny. I was like, he was like, chef, for show. And then to his credit, he said like he was just trying to play it cool because he was super nervous. And I kind of like a lean for admitting that. But yeah, it was just like when you watch it, like, does this guy even care that he just got drafted? Like, has he, he hasn't done this before. He acted like the most like calm customer there was. Uh, a positive thing I thought, which is totally probably just coach speak and GM speak and all that. But every single time they pick, they're like, yep, we just got our guy. We got our guy. That's our guy. Oh, we got our guy again. So they must really love these guys because they got all their guys. I think if you just saw their draft board, they must have just been listed in order and they got every single one of them. So, so I love that for the team. So, again, I'll piggyback off that. I just wrote down a quote 
that Dan says about halfway through. He says, dude, I love that we are getting players that we love. <laughs> and Brad just goes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, that sentence is the most Dan Campbell thing uh, that I think could, he could have just said in an empty room like that. <laughs> so probably more serious note, I just kind of like how like they actually like broke down like each player's film and then they tied it into like our scouts. Mm-hmm. So like you would see in like a zoom or like a face up person of like our scouts of like what they said about each prospect. There's a lot of times you don't really see that from the prospects. You don't even see like, or you don't even see like the scouts face and like who's relaying the information to Brad or the head coach. And they, Gave credit to the scouts, like he gave us good scouting reports, and that's what we wanted. I think that's kind of cool to see, like the background information from it. Yeah, those Zoom meetings look so stressful. Like people probably talking over each other. Like there was like a thousand people in that Zoom call on that massive screen there. But I'm sure they have their system of how to not talk over each other. Having it be through Zoom probably stinks. Yeah, probably much better in person. They probably take so long those meetings. Okay, then I'll go funny again. Dan Campbell. Provides great comedy for most of us. When I think it was in the second round when they were trying to get one of the D tackles, and he just starts saying that he's going to will it to happen. And he's just like, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. I'm willing this. It's going to happen. Yeah, that was for the, the guy from Washington, Levi. He's just <laughs> when he started, we started doing it. Yeah, and he, that was just hilarious. He's just telling himself that he can make it happen and he will make this guy fall to him. And he was just so confident. And then when he's doing his interview, he's like, yeah, maybe I am the reason we got everyone we wanted. <laughs> so he's just hilarious. I just can't stop laughing at him. Because, again, I got to jump in because then he does it later, which is one of the things I wrote down. What made me laugh even more than that one is was for Melon Fonwu in round three. He would just sit there by himself and go, stay 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 put and he was like sheila tell him to stay like just staying on the board and he's like doing this like voodoo whispering magic to try to get uh the that defensive bat from syracuse to still be there it's like i'm just a big believer in willing things into existence it's like all right we'll see how that goes dan campbell is a witch (laughs) well we tweeted out the video that i'm going to mention on our social media but dan campbell slide in it's now the greatest NFL slide-in, like Chris Collinsworth, gone. Your slide-in's no longer. Dan Campbell, slide-in is so perfect. The way that they captured it is phenomenal. It was such a that funny camera angle. Probably that he's the restroom, and he's out, and then the Saints call. Dan Campbell slides over. Hello, this is Dan Campbell. And he like doesn't know like what to do with the phone after that. Just, I think he might have like hung up or something. And so like, he's like, oh, yeah, the Saints probably wanted to trade with you. And uh, I picked it up, and they didn't call back. I thought it was kind of funny. She was just like, Dan hung up on the Saints. <laughs> hilarious. He just, like, throws him right under the bus. Like, oh, God, that hey, was a funny Brad, trip. the Saints tried to make a trade, but they hung up. So, God. Yeah, it just seems like Brad's like Dan's dad. Dan awkwardly answered the phone as a young kid, and then his dad comes running. Oh, crap. Yeah. It's hilarious. All oh, of it's hilarious. John Dorsey. That man has been there and done that. He was the only one that just sat there the whole time, like not reacting really at all because he's probably lit, done like 40 of these things. And he deep down, he's probably like, these guys are acting pretty crazy for just drafting a guy in the first round. That's just what I, the vibe I got, but it was just funny. 
to see him sitting there in the same outfit that Alex says he always wears, which which yeah, he does. I was just gonna say on that note, John Dorsey rocked the Air Monarchs. The white Air Monarch, the dad lawnmower shoes every single day, even when he was like in a nice dress shirt and nice dress pants. But one of the positive things I saw just watching the whole Penne stuff, like all of that, I thought, you know, he like when the genuine emotion of coming to Detroit and like he he looks like a gamer, I think he's going to be a baller just solely based off of all that. He just looks like he really, really cares and he's actually not like bummed out he's coming to Detroit like some people probably would be because it's not, you know, the nicest place and a terrible franchise. But he looked like he was ready to be a part of the turnaround, so I liked that. You got to. I think my last point that I wrote down was after the draft, we saw a bunch of all the hype videos and Brad Holmes being like, oh, come on, he's probably faking the energy or whatnot. But the excitement that we saw, like now we know it was from the Dolphins just taking Waddle and that left Sewell on the board and they just erupted. They hadn't even made their pick yet. Everybody just knows that they have their guy because the Bengals drafted Chase and then they said, oh, we're going to – I think the Dolphins are going to take a Alabama receiver. And then they, everybody was sitting there watching the TV, waiting for like the trip or not the, the pick to be announced. And, and it was Waddle and everybody erupted because they know they got Sewell. I think it was just an authentic moment when – the entire front office knew that hey, we got our 1A. Yeah. So my last one going off of that is for the two Michigan State guys on the pod, you guys. How does Magic Johnson know Amon St. Brown? And what was with that like post-draft post phone call? That was just so out of left field. I was like, how do these two know each other? I truly had no idea what that was about. <laughs> and cool. Magic also said he's from Detroit, but I swear he's from Lansing. He's from Lansing. He played at like Lansing. Sunday. So <laughs> he dropped like Detroit's my hometown. Like, uh. yeah, the whole thing. I just I was lost. I didn't even know what to think. I need to know how they know. Magic's each other. not a guy that's just at Lions games, like supporting the Lions. If that's what it was about, he must just my only connection would be is that Magic's out in LA and he went to USC. Yeah. That'd be my only connection. It's got to be. And then, yeah. That reminded me of my last point. When Frank Ragnow got, like, introduced to pick, it's like Dan Campbell didn't know that was happening. He was like, big guy. <laughs> that's all he said. Like, no, that's, like, your all-pro center. And then, like, when they introduced Frank Ragnow on, like, NFL Network, they said he was from Michigan and not Arkansas. I think I saw that. I remember, like, when it they said, like, in parentheses, he said, M-I-C-H. Huh. Little yeah, I don't know if they're saying Detroit's in Michigan or like no, like that's his. She's from Arkansas. I'll take credit. We'll take credit for him, but he's definitely an Arkansas guy. Yeah. Did you have any other guys, Alex, uh, from the inside the den? Nope. I'm just happy we got our guys. All of them. We got guys. We Every loved. single guy we wanted. Okay, so then from a different media outlet, I had one other thing for the Lions this week that I saw pretty like recently before we were hopping on here. And I, it happened like last week. It was on the Rich Eisen show. He had, he had golf on for an interview at one point, which is not really the focus of what I was going to talk about. And then like right after that, McVay did an interview with the Rams media. And let me, so this is the headline. Headline, and I'll read his quote because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to read into the tea leaves. But I feel like after you hear the quote, you're like, okay, well, I know what that's about. So this is the headline from June 10th. McVay in better mood. Says he's better coach with Stafford. 
And then he was asked about like people, his thoughts on him being happier, like a better coach around the facility. He said, I think I've been very happy. McFay said Thursday while stage on stage at a news conference for an organizing committee. Everybody says, man, you just seem like you're in a better mood this off season. I say, you're damn right. I am. And then he, because cl- obviously people are going to read that and think what they want and make conclusions. And then the next day he said it w- had nothing to do with like Goff and Stafford when clearly like he's definitely happier because he has Stafford, but he's trying to make like, oh, no shade to Goff though. It's like, I'm, t- I'm telling you guys right now as a podcast that they this better be like t- tempered down and I need McVay to chill out and I need all this buzz to chill out. Because I do not want to have to root actively against Matthew Stafford, which I might have to do if this gets like too extreme. Like we're in such a better place now, like that now that Jared's in Detroit and we got Matthew Stafford. I don't want to have to like not like this team, but if this keeps, if stuff like this keeps happening, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. I, he didn't need to say that publicly, and it's obviously directly related to Stafford and Goff. On the flip side, having Stafford, he is a, like a great guy. I'm sure it's nice to have him, so I'm sure he's a little happier. But I don't need any Jared Goff slander, and this podcast will not stand for Jared Goff slander. Maybe Evan will, but I will not. I think as we get closer to the NFL season, only a couple months away, I think like the LA Rams like media is only getting like boost up from like our major like sports information so like fox cbs espn as we get closer to that i think the rams are going to be talked about a lot and grant i'm sorry but you're probably going to see more and more of sean mcveigh i know i can see it i can see it playing out the way you're talking about right now because all those studios are in la and the rams are like supposed to be the biggest contenders they've ever been even though they've made the super bowl with jared goff and they won a playoff game last year with golf with a broken thumb so they need to relax but I'm going to want Jared Goff to win that game in October so bad. I, I, I'm going to want it for him so bad. I will not root against Matthew Stafford. I might. I'm and declaring not, that now. No, if it gets to it. But I will not root for Matthew Stafford. I'm not – I don't care. I have no care in the world for the Rams. None. Zero. Don't care about them. I, Unless I, I have all I, their fans. I, up, I will be cheering for Matthew Stafford all year. Right. I, I will. It's the will perfect, not. perfect mix of the for the podcast. I should say on both sides though, Jared Goff has to run kind of like teaser lines about how he feels like he has so much more. Like Campbell and Lynn are making him so much more involved in the planning of the offense as it was in LA, which could either be great or backfire. But he also is kind of doing like those sub tweets towards McVay too, and people are kind of all getting getting his words twisted. So just kind of like an interesting storyline that there's only going to be more of like i've been said towards this as the season gets closer so i think it's that time for topic two which will be a first for the podcast tackling a much more serious topic which was behind the curtain it was a discussion between us whether or not you know because there's some shows like um the part of my takes out there and podcasts everyone loves that try to be like really light-hearted and try to not because sports is a is a fun happy-go-lucky place that in the most part doesn't really matter that much in the scheme of life. But sometimes really important, serious things happen. And our decision was this one was getting so big that we should address it and talk about it. So our tone will much be much more serious for this one. And that topic, without further ado, is what's going on in Ann Arbor with Michigan football. A situation that has been kind of playing out over the last couple months. 
I have the timeline down here. So what happened was there was a commissioned report done by the university that was investigating Dr. Robert Anderson is his name, who worked at Michigan for 37 years. And he retired in 2003 and passed away in 2008. And the report found that there was a ton of misconduct, sexual abuse type of misconduct done by this Dr. Robert Anderson at Michigan, like hundreds, 900, hundreds of people, players. And he was one of the football team doctors. I found this out actually the other day when I was listening to Jim Brandstander's comments on the issue is that they had two doctors um, on the team, like an orthopedic doctor and then you're like a general doctor. So that's what Anderson was. He still saw a bunch of players and athletes at the university. So reports of sexual abuse never to be taken lightly. And the first thing the pod uh, we can say as a podcast is our sympathies go out to all the victims and we hope justice is given. However, this is going to shake out as the caveat. Um, but obviously, other than just the facts alone, a lot of questions then arise about something like this. Basically, the biggest one that I've seen is did what did uh, Bo Schenbleckler know about all this? Um, if he knew it at all, when did he know it? Um, what did he do about it? And after that report came out, a month kind of from that report, we had the press conference that happened last week after we had recorded or around that time from his son, Matt Schenbeckler which is like, whoa, like the son of Bo is speaking on this issue. And he was accompanied by, I think, two other players during this press conference. I actually didn't, I didn't tune into the whole press conference. I saw a lot of clips from it. And you guys, if you hop in, if you want to add anything or saw anything different in the press conference, just interrupt me. So I'm trying to get all the details out there before, like what we think. And they came forward and Matt told this like, kind of like goosebump raising, like disgusting story of like when he told, he remembers telling his dad, Bo, I think 10 years old, that he was like touched inappropriately by Dr. R. Anderson. And he says Bo like punched him in, in the chest, I believe, and knocked him across their kitchen and told him like, kind of just don't, don't bring it up. Don't, don't talk to me about that again. So that's his like vivid account from it. This is from a routine physical in 1969 is when this happened. And then you have the players, um, I'm trying to get his exact name. Giovanni Johnson was one of the players I believe with him kind of claiming that it was a almost became like a joke on the team or like this threat that was used by coaches that if you don't perform well in practice, they're going to go see Dr. Anderson, you know, which is like just absolutely disgusting if that's true. And again, like kind of goosebump raising. I also heard they called him um, Dr. Anal. I did read that as well. And this like it was a kind of like a joke, like people, the joke basically illuminating the idea that this was a known thing that was going on. And obviously, um, and I, I think for the, those that most people know, but also Bo Schenbleger passed away in 2006. So that also adds to this like weird dynamic where the person who's doing the crimes is passed away and the person who is being accused of not stopping the crimes as the leader of the football program is passed away. And it's just this kind of big mess. And now it also gets into, so on that, you have these accusations from this side. And then where it gets really weird and like, messed up even in, for me especially is like there's the other half of the Schembechler family Shemi Glenn Shemi Schembechler his his other son uh is saying that Matt is kind of like crazy basically or Matt doesn't know what he's talking about so now we have in family fighting about their dad Bo and then you have the other side of the players the Jim Brandstanders who are saying let's pump the brakes and not 
accuse Bo of of anything. So it's like players are mixed on it. Bo's own family is mixed on it. I think the one thing we can all agree on based on the report that was done and the testimonies is that Dr. Robert Anderson's a scumbag and what he did was awful. And that stuff like that did happen. I guess the, the part now is like the fallout and the accusations against Bo for knowing about it and, and that whole debate that's going on right now and what's to be done. And I even heard they're doing a, um, I think something's happening tomorrow, time of recording Wednesday. They're doing another, they're putting pressure on the board of regents at Michigan to make a decision in regards to like Bo's statue on campus, the naming of the football hall. So I've talked enough about, it. I think we laid out like a lot of points about it, but what do you guys kind of make of this whole situation that's going on? Just at, quickly, Ann Arbor? one more, the thing tomorrow is 40 former players and other like Michigan administrative people. So hmm. people that were directly affected, I guess, are rallying tomorrow in front of the state. But Adam, you can go first if you'd like. Now, is that rally on behalf of the survivors or on the other side of defending Bo that you know survivors. of? Survivors. Survivors, right? Yeah. Survivors. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple quotes that kind of like shook me when I was reading on the uh, interview that happened on Wednesday or Thursday. Matt Shebuck was there, and then there was two players, Daniel Wikowski and Giovanni Johnson. So Wikowski has been saying that uh, he reported it, and Shebucker told him to, quote, toughen up after reporting Anderson's conduct. And he was quoted saying, Bo knew, I knew, I was the, I was on my own. And Bo was never going to protect us from Dr. Anderson. And this was reported by Austin Meek, who covered the press conference. Um, he tweeted about this. And then another one is being quoted by Giovanni Johnson. And coaches use threats of visiting Dr. Anderson as motivational tactics. Um, only now do I realize how crazy it was to threaten rape as a way to make players work harder. And that's a quote from Giovanni Johnson from the press conference. So from like you looking at that and from there's more reports, 97-1 is doing a deep dive in Enrico Beard and Mike Lanier reporting on it. And they're saying how a lot of players like assistant coaches and players, like if you're an upperclassman, so juniors and seniors would tell the underclassmen, like don't say anything about Dr. Anderson to any assistant coaches to Bo because nothing's going to happen. You don't want to mess with the monster. Um, and even though if the, the assistant coaches knew, that's all reported. I'm not saying it's hundred percent factual. That's just what's being reported. And to me, I think this is only getting uglier because if you're having people going out to protest in front of Michigan Stadium, um, and then you have like Jim Brandstander went on this 38 minute long interview of backing Bo, and he's like, "Oh, that's not the Bo I knew." I just think that phrase needs to get discontinued by this fandom of Michigan fans because you're not going to know 100 percent about somebody. Like he <laughs> might be a great coach, you might see him in between the lines, but obviously there could be as reported as a deep, dark issue that nobody wants to be a part of. And just keep on saying that's not the boat. I know like you have to move on from that and see somebody based off of who they are as a person, not just as like this icon and a symbol for a university program. It kind of sucks because I think Rand Standard was, I don't know if he's quoted, but there's like a group rallying to backbow and to like fight against all of this. And to me, if you're fighting against this, you're kind of like calling the survivors like liars 
I don't know why like a group of people wouldn't just come out and wait until like all the facts are out, like a hundred percent, like the, it settled the investigation, settled all the facts are out. When you know, like all the information, that's when you can pick a line to either defend or go against somebody. It's disgusting what's going on. And I, my biggest thing is I just don't know why like Michigan fans have like this obsession with him still to this day. I get he was a great coach and I'm not a Michigan fan, so I feel differently about it. But from like a Michigan State fan fan point, we saw what happened when Nasser was going through all that stuff. And we saw what happened, like the, the media coverage on that, the over media coverage on it, and how Izzo and Antonio got their name dragged through the mud for no reason, no connection to the Nasser scandal. They just lumped everything together. Now you don't see one second on SportsCenter about it. Don't see one second on it. Detroit Free Press won't cover it. Detroit News won't cover it. It's because people would, that are related to Michigan don't want it covered. And you saw in 97-1, Jensen in the morning didn't come in on Friday morning after the press conference on Thursday. Karsh in the afternoon didn't come in to work on Friday. And Branson only did the interview because he was paid. And he's not going to say anything bad about Michigan. I'm going to let Alex talk before I have a couple of final points out so you can have to jump in. Uh, I agree with you in the sense that I think this is definitely just getting started. I don't think it's anywhere close to being resolved. And then to your point, victim shaming I or saying victims, whatever. I'm not saying people are saying it. Obviously, there's people out there, Michigan fans and others, that are saying that Bo would never do this, like Evan was saying. And I just think, like Evan said, to the, you should just wait for facts. You should never blame a victim. I think everyone experiences trauma and deals with trauma in different ways. So you should not, you should definitely never attack someone that is, especially someone that's coming out publicly and admitting probably one of the worst things that's ever happened in their life to them. And they're telling the world. So the to immediately just back the guy that they said they told that didn't do anything about it is is not a good look at all. And then to another point about that, Evan was saying just, uh, I was a student at Michigan state when the Nasser stuff went down and how terrible all of that was and all the countless coverage. And I think, I think the coverage for this will get there for Michigan, but at first it seemed like it wasn't getting covered enough. And now it is obviously. And then I think, like I said, it's just getting started. It's just going to grow bigger and bigger. And I think the most obvious thing for the university to do at Michigan is just take the statue down. You can put it back up if it comes to the point where you can, and then just get rid of his name off Schembechler Hall. I don't think there's any reason not to do that at this point. Just do it. And if you need to go back to putting all that stuff up and he's he didn't do anything, he never knew anything, then fine. But for now... I think the University of Michigan needs to do more than what they're doing. They're not they they said like the most generic statement they could have, but I think they need to come out and be a little more public in support of all of the victims. Yeah, I think it was like a it's been a pretty slow moving process where if they had acted faster on it and like more swiftly, they probably could have gotten it more covered up than they than than they wanted, like then it's going to get excited. I agree. I think it's only going to get because now it's like a, like it's going to be two sides 
trenched in. Like that's where it's so messed up is like that's his so own true. family's divide on the issue. So it's only going to get more probably like hostile and it could get personal with like attacks of stuff. Like they were saying like Chemi and the other, the other uh, siblings view Matt as like the estranged like brother of the family. Like it's just so like wild and a gross, tough situation that like everyone's going to be watching now. So, and it's one of those weird things too, where it's like the the main actors in it all have passed away. So, and the one side, like there is no really defense on there for for them personally to do it. So, I don't even know how this really gets worked out. I don't know enough about these cases and how this even gets worked out in like a court of law when the people um, that are being accused like aren't even alive. Well, so at, at this moment, it's a civil case. It's not like so it, it won't go to court. So, at this current moment, until they have evidence of all the abuse and all that. And it just seems like without saying any blanket, like obviously things can change. You don't Evan made a great point about like, this is why you shouldn't just, it's weird when people are absolutely obsessed with someone like in sports. Cause you really don't know what that person's like personally. And I think we're uh, okay. Like we have a pretty good perspective on this, on this show we'll have, cause we're all younger. And like, even as a Michigan fan, I've never like been obsessed with Bo. Like I don't have that like deep connection to him because I wasn't alive. Like I, I didn't, I don't know. Like, I'm sure he was a great coach, but I don't have that serious passion. So from like an objective standpoint, like if it, if it seems and it, but from everything I understand with how in, involved he was with the university and how beloved he was in the football team, like if something was going on in the doctor room that was wrong, he probably did know about it. Like, I think that like, if it smells like a duck quacks, like one walks like one, like how would you not know? I, I just think that about every major like not even him, like any major high-level coach in college football probably knows almost everything that's going on in their program. It was the same thing with um, Patino in Louisville. It's like, yeah, he knew they were paying those or bringing in strippers for recruits on visits. Like, you know what's going on in your program for the most part. So, and if it comes out that it bears out that that was the case, then they'll have to pay out like a massive settlement to to the victims and rightfully so. And that should coincide with the the long process of – removing the statue taking off the name and then like there's probably a lot of signage everywhere in that facility and even in the michigan tunnel you see the team the team the team like stuff like that probably even needs slowly needs to get like worked back and kind of kind of go away the one interesting place because then it, it kind of goes into the, the present here is it was interesting to note that because because to, to the point about the what brand standard said jim harbaugh essentially said the same thing about a week earlier saying that's not the bow I knew, you know, and he was one of the first ones to be, to be asked about it when it was coming out. And I found it interesting enough, Matt Schembechler said that defended Jim Harbaugh in that press conference and said that it's ridiculous to, to go after Jim for this. And like, he shouldn't be lumped into all this. I, I, I kind of go both ways on it because like, he's going to have to feel questions about it because he was there during this time. And, um, he's so connected to Bo. Like, they're going to have to ask questions about it. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I just found it interesting that Matt, that, that was so, like, you know, like, don't, this has nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh, which in, in a way, in a way it does, in a way it doesn't. You know, it's kind of like one of those weird things where, like, are you going to pepper Jim Harbaugh all the way leading up to the first first kickoff this year about all this stuff? Or, you know, how how and how many questions is he going to have to answer about it? But at the end of the day, he, I mean, he was there when, when the timeline checked out so he would know about it so it's fair to get his opinion on it so we'll see how all that goes as well i think also on that i've seen a lot of 
people saying that the Michigan football program should get sanctions for this and, you know, other penalties. And just my personal thoughts on it, I think that what what number one would need to happen is you get rid of anyone that knew about it. If there's anyone left in the athletic department mm-hmm. that knew about that, then obviously they would get fired. And or like an administration, like if yeah, anyone a- that, anyone that knew about it that it is affiliated still with the University of Michigan would need to go. Because that's kind of like the precedent that's been set in past cases. Like if you right. were affiliated with it, you knew about it. But Usually he, they pick one or two scapegoats to cover everyone's ass. Right. But we'll, I guess we'll see well, what the strategy is for that. But in terms of actual penalties against the current football program, I'm not totally sure if that would be justified for something that happened before any of this current staff has been there or any of the, if any of the current football employees, they wouldn't have anything to do it. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, I, I don't know, he was there. That doesn't mean he knew anything about it. But still, I don't think it would be totally fair to just give Michigan football a bunch of penalties for something that all the current employees had nothing to do with. That's just because I've seen a lot of people say that they would deserve sanctions. But really, is that's not going to help the survivors. That's not what they probably care about. They care more about getting rid of all the bow stuff and then, you know, the lawsuit and everything else. And honestly, like that, what you said opens up the point of sanctions in general, where there's like the moral side of sanctions and there's like the precedent that's been set. And I think the NSA will go off the precedent they've, they've sent in these cases. Like morally, like it doesn't really matter where you lay. We can agree. Like I can agree morally that if a program had been doing this, they probably deserve some form of sanction, no matter how small it is, right. um, just for letting this happen. But precedent wise, People that would objectively view the NCAA would say it, the sanctions could be viewed as unfair because if you like lay out other cases that have happened, it seems to really be like sanctions happen when the person who has let something happen is like currently alive and currently in a role at said university. Or which, had just previously left yeah. in some situations. So that that kind of thing. I mean, there's actually like interesting enough different different, not even Michigan sports, but there's something quasi similar happening or has been happening at Ohio state with a doctor they've had that's been involved in the wrestling program and like their athletics. And they're, it's almost scary how like parallel the, the, the uh, timelines and like stories and stuff all are. So it's one of those things where like, they're going to judge it based off past cases if they've done anything or not. So we'll see. But to, to Evan, your uh, kind of other thoughts you had to wrap it up. My last few points, it just, there needs to be like a bigger investigation done outside from like the university itself. Like there needs to be like a third party, fourth party that needs to do a deep dive investigation into it. And like you touched on like removing the signage if it all happens. And and like they said on 97 on the ticket, they said when you're watching a Michigan football game, it's your first thought like, oh man, I wonder what the Schembechler, I wonder what Bo statue looks like right now. No. You're not gonna think be thinking about that. When Michigan hosts Washington on primetime and ABC, are all the 115,000 fans going to be worried about if the bow statue is still standing? No. They shouldn't be. You're going to be worried about, like, the present game. And, then, Grant, you talked about, like, the signage, and I think if if it all comes out and, like, Bo does know it's something, like, Jim is going to have to get a new wardrobe. He's going to have to change his appearance on the sideline. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Because he gets that from – I mean, he coached – he did a coach on him. He played underneath him. 
And so, like, he gets all that mentorship, like, role model figure, whatever you want to think of to him from Bo. Like, he, the skinny M is from that time era where he played, where Bill coached. And they always talked about my biggest issue, I think, is they talked about how, like, everybody on the team basically knew, and, like, the assistant coaches knew. And so we're talking about who that is. Harbaugh, like we said, played underneath him. Now, could he not know? Absolutely. I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying he was part of – he played underneath Bo, so he was there during that time. The current AD, Ward Manuel, played underneath Bo. He was on the football team. And that kind of, like, they said assistant coaches, so, like, I, I only pulled out one darn – I'm not saying he knew anything about it, but Lloyd Carr was an assistant coach under Bo. And so, like, if you're doing an investigation, this goes beyond just, like – the people in administration this goes beyond like well beyond like players and coaches so at, if you're a michigan fan i'm not saying you should be freaked out but you should probably want an investigation to be done in your own program if you're investing money into it yeah uh, on my last report i said is that more reports are going to come out we're going to know the facts at some point and i hope we do and like you said we'll we're backing the survivors in any situation that say, I mean, it takes guts to come out and say something at any point. Like Alex said, they, they came out and told their darkest secret to the world. And I'm just, it's sickening that they're getting shamed on for it. And I don't know, maybe more people come out and if they do good for them, they should say something. It's always a good time to say something, no matter how long ago it was. Yeah. I think the the last lesson too is like, just don't, when it comes to sports and people you don't know personally, Try not to put people like that on a pedestal because you never know like what the like the real story is behind the scenes or like when stuff like this happens. Like, don't be so entrenched into believing someone's like the greatest person ever when you just don't know what's what's going on. So we'll see how all this plays out. Um, with that, there's never an easy, fun transition out of a serious topic. But like we let off the show, the Pistons, the draft lottery. Pick up your spirits, boys. We're a week away from getting to my segment. Cade Cunningham. Did I? Yeah, let's do it after. Dang. Let's do it after the Pistons draft. That kind of hurts, Grant. Well, I hope you can recover because draft lottery a week away. Before we get into any of the questions I wrote down for this, what do you say we give the old Tankathon three spins here and see how we do? All right. So again, to recap, we have a fifty going in draft night. We have a fifty-two point one percent chance. So a little bit better than a coin flip to get in the top four, which again just stinks the lottery system because like we deserve a top three pick, but we have a coin flip chance to get a top four pick. And we have a 14% chance to get the first overall pick, which is tied with two other teams for the best chances in the whole NBA. So here we'll do spin. Number one, we got the second pick in the draft. That'll do. It's all right. Sim again. We got the fifth. That will not do fifth pick in the draft. That will not do. So we lost one more spin. The coin landed tails on that one. All right. Last one. Fifth again. All right. So. I'm leaving. Bad juju going into draft night. The Cubs, by the way, on our, on our TV here, our head. Oh, oh. never mind. It was oh just caught at the wall. Disregard. <laughs> but draft week, where do you guys stand going into this lottery? What makes this lottery a failure? What is acceptable? What gets you excited? All those kind of questions that we need to kind of think about a week out. Well, I texted our group chat this week already, and I'm just going to basically sum up what I said. I'm terrified. I am super nervous. This feels like the 
one of the bigger moments in Pistons history since we were good. Maybe. I mean, it's just a huge moment. And it could be franchise altering. And Tuesday night, I believe it's Tuesday night, correct? Yeah. So after we do our podcast, we're going to probably sit down and watch this, and I'm just going to be a bucket of nerves. Because anything under – I can't settle for anything less than three. And if it's less than that, okay. I will be – So three. Three is your number. Yeah, three or better. I mean, one's perfect. Right. One's great, but I'll take top three. And if it's not top three, I'm, I'm going just to say, just like Evan's brother, Wyatt, that the lottery's rigged, and it always will be. And I will just well, – And Evan says that. Yeah, but I, I'll give Wyatt the main credit because he's really, really anti-NBA lottery. So I'll be just absolutely devastated. I'm interested in the drop between one and two. Like if one's 100% happy, what is like the second pick? I, I can get myself to be really excited about the second pick. 80%? Give me a number. 85. 85 and then set- – 75. All right. Zero at four. Zero so it's percent. 75 to zero off a cliff to, if we get Off forward. a cliff, like you'll never see me again. But you said you like you said you could get behind Jalen Green. I can, but it's just not the same. Okay. So and zero I don't percent. Think Jaylen, I don't think Jalen Green will be there. I think Jalen Suggs will go before him. I guess five. Wait, before five, him. So he would, five percent so he would at be four. there. Five percent. If Jalen Suggs goes before Jalen Green, Jalen Green will be there. No. But sorry. I, I reversed the order. I don't want Jalen Suggs. So okay. Jalen Suggs is the zero. He's the zero. So five Damn. is zero, five percent at four. What else does a guy gotta do? He had one of the best shots in just, he doesn't, history. He doesn't fit unless we do my rumor segment of the week. Oh god, now I know what your rumor segment is, and I saw that exact headline, and that was just like a thought. Oh, anyways, the rumor the rumor is getting pretty rumory this week, if I know what it is. There's two rumors. But uh Evan, your draft lottery thoughts. I am actually nervous hmm. for the draft lottery. Like Alex sent it in our group chat. I was like, oh God, like it like hit me in the stomach hard. Like the Pistons future, like Alex said, I wrote down make or break is next Tuesday. And I like this is the most like nervous. This is the best chance, like franchise altering. Because I mean the first pick in the NBA is way different than the first pick in NHL or MLB. As a Tigers fan, we're all used to like the first pick in the draft now, and you know you kind of don't really see the prospect right away. You wait, you wait, you see them hit bombs for the Whitecaps. If you're a Red Wings fan, you get screwed over, and you go to the fourth pick. <laughs> NBA, like you get a first pick, that player is playing right away and probably playing at a high level. He's gonna be the face of your franchise. He's gonna be everywhere in marketing, advertising. Like we're all gonna be buying jerseys. Like the day after the lottery, when we get the first pick, it's a time to be excited if you're a Pistons fan because there's also there's always that hope that we're going to get the first pick. And I I wouldn't be happy if we got three, four, or five. I, I think it's one or two. You get pick one or two right. or, or bust for me. Wow. So you're stricter. You're losing because let's say we don't get the first pick. Okay, at the second pick, you basically can get anybody besides Kid Cunningham. You like the draft is in your hands. Like you can control it however you want. If you want this player, that player, that's fine. You get the first pick, you're getting an all star. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the the luck that the Pistons have, the luck that Detroit Sports has right now, we just did a tankathon. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be shocked if we got like the fourth or fifth pick. I I wouldn't. It seems like the NBA wants like the big markets, the teams that have sucked for a long time. 
like the Timberwolves always get the first pick for some reason. They yeah, like the Rockets suck. just went through a dumpster fire, so it, it's just tough. This fan base is all right. Let me be optimistic, guys, because I'm optimistic. I feel so great about this lottery. I'm super nervous, and this might be how I'm coping with it. But I was looking back at this lottery board, and I'm gonna tell you right now that I think the Pistons will get the first pick. Um, going with the rigged theory, I think it's our time to get it. Uh, I think that Alex's elbow is in my screen, but I'm back on track. So Cleveland's the fifth best odds to get it. They've got it a thousand, a billion times. Third time's done. They're not getting it. They have other young prospects. Oklahoma City, they shouldn't get it because they have a million picks already. So they can get it next year, the year after that, whatever. They'll still be crappy. Orlando, that market stinks. No one cares about Orlando. Houston, they had their chance. They punted on getting their great player like they got rid of chris paul they got rid of westbrook they had their good players they're not going to get it what's going to happen is minnesota is going to lose their pick to the golden state warriors rigged because they want the warriors to be back and relevant with steph curry so they'll be like in the top three or four i think because that pick's protected into that range so that's all that will go and then that basically leaves us with those teams i mentioned and like no they're not the one I could, I think we have to worry about is Toronto. I could see them doing some shady things in Toronto. I don't know why. I don't. I don't. I really don't have a feel for that. It just feels like something that could happen. Uh, but I see they have a seven point five percent seven point five percent chance to get the first pick. But we're gonna get it, and we're gonna get Cade. And I wrote that if we do not get Cade Cunningham out of this draft, I will overall walk away disappointed. Like it will not be a pleasant experience, which is saying a massively high bar, setting myself up to get my feelings hurt. But that's how I'm going into this because after watching him through college, I need Kate Cunningham on the Pistons. I need us to have the Rookie of the Year one year, build all the excitement around the franchise. He fits in so perfectly. And I think Troy Weaver is so well-respected in the league that maybe that'll do us a favor in this hypothetically rigged draft that's about to happen. And then, now, with that being said, I'm the type of fan that I wrote, if we get Evan Mobley, I will begin that night convincing myself he can be the next Giannis. I will be like, all right, they're both lanky. Um, good ball skills. Evan can actually shoot the ball from deep. Like I will do whatever I can to make myself think he can be like him. And then I wrote, if we get Jalen Suggs, I'll convince myself he'll be the next Chris Paul. You know, so even though I'll be disappointed that we didn't get Cade, who's going to be like the next Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, I will convince myself that whoever we get will be an also a great player. So it'll be okay, but I really need Cade Cunningham on our team, like really bad. It would be nice. Be very nice, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But I can, I can, like Dan Campbell tried to will the their draft into existence. I'm picturing the lottery, and I'm I can will this this first pick into existence. I don't want to make any guarantees. I don't want to let the listenership down. But I feel really good about it. We need Dan Campbell to will this to happen. We need a Dan Campbell crossover event for the draft lottery to like get us this first pick. Now, more importantly, I wrote. Bigger than the lottery. Because lottery, unproven guys. Guys that you don't really know how they'll translate to the NBA. There's a guy in the NBA right now that wants out of this current situation. I might be exaggerating a little bit. But he's like the best young player in the entire league. And similar to how we... Well, we're just kind of writing checks that we're never going to be able to cash, I don't think. But we wanted to get Theo Epstein to the Tigers. I declared that we have to get Carlos Correa to the Tigers as well. How do we as a podcast get Luka Doncic to the Detroit Pistons? And on a side note, that whole story about what the Mavs have done, like hiring that professional gambler to run their analytic department and Luka snapping at him and saying, quote, don't tell me to calm the fuck down during the middle of a game is an absolute wild 
festival. Not something I could picture like Cuban letting happen, but apparently he did. And it's a whole sort of mess. And they basically said like, yeah, he plans to sign the extension, but that doesn't mean like diddly squat for him staying there long term. So there's a window here, boys. How do we get Luka Doncic? Is Jeremy Grant on the move again? Like he is every single show? It would take more than that. No, I know. Start with getting the number one pick and you're going to have to give that for him. Done. And maybe give him Plumley too or something. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to give up like our next. I don't know, but three number one pick picks. is pretty valuable. To give you all our picks, what, the draft. NBA draft picks are you're gonna have to give up like four first round draft picks the yeah. next four years. Yeah. Like your first round draft pick, it's not four gone. See you later, Killian Hayes, gone. Isaiah Stewart, gone. Jeremy that Grant, many? gone. All right, all those players are gonna be have to be like traded. All those picks are gonna have to be traded just to get Luka Doncic. And then you're gonna have no one, and you're gonna be just as bad as the map. Give me back uh, Tim so Hardaway. It's not Jr. worth it, and uh, we have a deal. It's not worth it. So the did, did you see all the trades recently in the NBA? Like all the draft picks that the Wizards gave up, all the draft picks the Rockets have been giving up, the Thunder gave up. Like it's like a draft pick galore because. In the NBA, you can trade like as many draft picks as you want in the future. Like, there's no cap to it. Yeah, the Knicks like, you can are... trade like six draft, like six drafts in the future. The Knicks said they'll give up three draft, three of their next draft picks for Damian Lillard, plus probably like another player or two. So, Luka Doncic is better than Damian Lillard. So, I mean, it's gonna be a lot. Like, I think Evans four picks is like it'd be like training for like Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, like that kind of situation where those guys are trying to move on too. So. Sounds like we might not be able to get Luka Doncic to the Pistons. But I have some guys we can get. Okay. Is this the rumor mill segment of the week? Yes. Presented by Codes Apparel. Show number two of this. CodesApparel.com. Uh, go there, shop all your area code-specific Michigan gear, and represent your community where you're from. Uh, let's see. What's my trivia? Do you guys know Traverse City, Michigan's area code? Starts with the seven. No, it does not. Start with a six? It does not. Five? No. Eight? Starts with a two. Two, eight, six. No. Got it. No, it was close, though. Kind of. Only the first number was right, the one that I gave. (laughs) Two. You can see it. Six. No. Four. Two, three, one. The two, three, one. That lovely area of, which is also probably Kingsley, Michigan, where the camping trip's at. The two, three, one. Shout out that. One of the better parts of Michigan up north. So if you're from that area, check out codesapparel.com and all the other area codes of Michigan. And like I said, there's plenty of clothing options and color schemes with the state of Michigan and your area code in it. Even ones without area codes if you just want the state and cool colors. So again, codesapparel.com. Free shipping on orders $75 or more. Alex. Oh, and you can get our podcast merch there as well. Duh, why didn't I say that? You can get shot at Michigan sports merch with our sweet shot glass on it. That prints very well, very colorful. Alex, rumor mill segment of the week. So we got a double rumor for all of you rumor-hungry people this week. What a deal. They're both on PistonsPower.com. Shout out them. I like, like love you getting credit. Title number one, Detroit Pistons rumor. Damian Lillard for the number one pick. Done. And then oh, just, I love Cade though. Just reading it, it's just number one pick for Dame. That's it. That would never happen. That would not happen. So that throw that rumor to the side. So because the Blazers do not have the cap space to make their team better, so Dame wants out. So that's rumor number one. 
I think the rumor number two is more realistic. Okay. Pistons evaluating a proposed proposed trade of Killian Hayes, Mason Plumley, for Fred Van Vliet from the Raptors. Evan, your thoughts? No. Fred is only 26 years old, and he's a proven point guard. Is he really only 26? Yep. He did just sign a max deal. Yes. No, 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 no. Hard no. Red button no. Because I'd rather just draft a young guard in the draft. Cheaper, younger, quicker, bigger, faster, stronger than Fred Van Fleet. Don't you think Fred and and Cade would be a lethal combination? You know who would also be a lethal combination? Davian Mitchell, uh, Cade Cunningham, um, Jalen Suggs, um, Jalen Green, if you like. Any one of those people and Fred Van Fleet. Like, no, I don't want Fred Van Fleet. I also, on the way, I'm not done on Killian Hayes yet. I think Killian, out of all those options, is the best guy to play with Cade because Killian is like the most pass first guy. Like, he's like a Ben Simmons type that can shoot better than Ben Simmons, so don't freak out. Like, he, Killian Hayes is like, the, his ceiling is like a shorter Ben Simmons. If he like really hits his offseason training with Coach Beeline and Coach Casey and all the new assistant coaches we hired today that kind of broke. I don't really know of those people, so it wasn't like massive news. But if he develops right, that's his ceiling, and that's the perfect guy to compliment Cade because we don't need Killian to be like a score first dominant point guard we're going to draft that with number one overall pick and kate cunningham so no i did not want to figure i'd uh, propose that for y'all and i appreciate it and bleacher I'm... report mentioned it so. ew well no more rumors from bleacher report. well it's not easy finding rumors on shop june whatever day it is 15th other than basically. all right we'll give you a pass but no more bleacher reports all right fine all right second to last topic a fun one well, if you like pain, <laughs> to Final Four, I like. I just say it's fun because I like the Final Fours. Uh, to where we bring out uh, our top four list, like a Mount Rushmore power ranking esque thing. We just named it Final Four because all those other names are taken across sports and podcasts. So this one is the worst sports losses you've watched for your teams. And this one was inspired by Alex. He asked me this the other day when we were talking about Michigan football, like. What, what were your worst losses? And I railed off like a ton. He's like, wow, it kind of sucks. Like that fandom. I go, yeah, it does. Like that combined with Detroit sports, you can see why I became a bandwagon Man City fan because they're the only team that consistently produces in my life. But and no, the Champions League did not make my final four list. It's way too recent for that. And I didn't care enough for it <laughs> to matter that much. Um, who wants to lead this one off? I'll go first. Oh, Evan. Evan goes first. Alex raised his hand first, first, but you said it first. Alex wouldn't take it. We probably have the same one. It's harder for you guys because you guys are state fans. Yeah, so I'm I'm going first, and I am picking uh, Syracuse versus Michigan State basketball Hmm. Um, at the new uh, Little Caesars Arena. Hmm. Our team was stacked, and we laid an egg in the second half. The team was projected to go to the Final Four. And we lost. I almost shed a tear. Did not shed a tear. Almost did. That was the first time I think I've been that upset about a loss. Credit to you for not shedding that tear. Thank you. Alex, you want to go second? Sure. Or does it not matter? Just stay on the trend of the Michigan State basketball devastation. and 
Just head to the year before when Michigan State in the most shocking upset ever, minus Virginia losing to a 16. Michigan State falls to Middle Tennessee State my freshman year of college. Greatest regular season I've ever watched as a Michigan State basketball fan all to lose in the first game when 51% of America picked them to win the national title. Wow. Pure devastation. I was giddy about that game. I'm happy for you. Giddy pots about that game. Ho-ho! <laughs> yeah, I was saving that one for like a minute once we started there. That one came to me on the fly. Next. Michigan football, the JT Barrett was short game. I, My dad and I put in a reservation, like a $10 reservation to get like cheaper tickets for the Big Ten championship game at halftime of that game. They weren't moving the ball. We threw a pick six, fumbled on the goal line. LeBron was in attendance with his friends. If you know me, that just made it even worse. And it was just like a shock and awe, depression, laid under the covers for like several hours after that moment from like 3 p.m. to the sun went down. I was under the covers just like, why? So would would love to get to Lucas Oil Stadium one day. Can't wait. Why was because JT wasn't short. Oh, man, it hurts when people do it back, doesn't it? He was short. I watched the angles. Back to me. I'm going to go. I don't know the years, but I remember the moments. Um, <laughs> what a phrase. Uh, Fenway Park. Oh, you uh, took mine. Tigers versus Red Sox. Shout out Cody Wilkins. Income from the bullpen comes Joaquin Benoit. Bases are loaded. This was One game two. postseason hitters of all time. Game two, yes. Anibal Sanchez, I think, pitched this game or he pitched the first game. I don't remember. Five more. We have a chance to go up. We have a chance to go up two nothing in a series, and you just throw an absolute BP meatball right down the middle to David Ortiz, and he turns on it and he puts it over the fence to get the lead. I think five four or tie the game, and just like as the Tigers fan, just put me down at that moment. The all time low, devastating. Yep. Absolute devastation. My, that was my top Tigers one for sure. Yeah, I had that. That was what I was going to say next. But no repeats allowed in this podcast. No repeats. There's too many to choose from for repeats. So I'll go to Michigan State football. Mm-hmm. Maybe one that people wouldn't remember because the season resulted in a college football playoff appearance. However, oh, they're down. Nice, Alex. Michigan State went to Nebraska at night and held. A 38-26 lead with four minutes left in the game. Somehow, someway, Nebraska ends up scoring a touchdown to take the lead by one point with 17 seconds left. Keep in mind, the Nebraska receiver went out of bounds, untouched, came back inbounds, and caught it for a touchdown, and the refs didn't do anything about it. Michigan State loses. I thought their dreams of the Big Ten were over. College football playoff was over. I was sitting in my dorm room just absolutely pissed. Couldn't be more mad. Then we went to Ohio State next week and won and made it all better. But still, unbelievably devastating loss. What a hose job it was. So this one, I would say, fell to me. Even though it's not a draft. Lions football. Playoff loss, Cowboys, um, devastating. The most angry I think I've ever been at a sporting event. Just pure rage filled my body when 
I saw Des Bryant run on the field with no helmet on and get a penalty flag picked up. And it was kind of the like almost um, like super, super depressing big picture experience where I sat there and like looked at my dad and was just like, maybe like he's right about me never seeing a playoff, like playoff win for the Lions. Like I always like kind of, you kind of joke with your parents like, oh, like they're so negative about the Lions. Like, oh no, we'll turn around in our lifetime. And I was like, you know what? Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just be terrible forever. Like maybe this game like cemented to me at a young age that like, no, good things don't have to eventually happen to a team. We can just get kicked around by the refs and other teams and the football league in general. So Lions playoff cowboy loss. Mm. Back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, shout out Hunter. We always do this. We say, damn, 2011 big 10 championship game. Mm. Uh, oh, I, I'm blanking on the name right now. Oh my God. Is that Wisconsin? First, yes. Wisconsin first ever big 10 championship game. Kirk cousins. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Yes, Isaiah Lewis, right? Says Lewis, right? That's right. Yes, okay. The Lewis part was throwing me off. Blo- goes in to try to bluffy punt late, late into the fourth quarter. Late. Roughing the punter, like, automatic first down. He arrived on that punt return. Keyshawn Martin returns it to the two yard line. We would have gone on to beat Wisconsin and Russell Wilson. Instead, we lose. That is actually a sneaky one of the probably better ones because you had the high of like the win with the punt return in your mind and then that flag. Like that feeling of when you see a flag at the after the end of a massive play is like one of the worst feelings in sports. Horrendous. All these suck. Making me sad. Michigan fans will enjoy it. Michigan State, Michigan basketball at Michigan. Michigan State, Michigan were both elite at the time. Trey Burke, pickpockets, mm. Keith Appling. Not a great time to talk about Keith Appling. But, Fair uh, points. <laughs> yeah, you guys know what happened. Trey Burke steals the ball, game winning layup. Michigan State loses. What's just a regular season game? Didn't really have that much importance. I don't remember, at least. But, needless to say, losing to Michigan when you're the basketball school, that hurt a lot. A lot. All right. I'm sure you're happy about it, Grant. On that note, yeah, it was one of the better wins. If we already did a wins, I'd not. But I wouldn't crack it because it was like a regular season game, but it was awesome. I'm going to double dip in Michigan basketball without asking permission because I know no one else will have these two. I'm just going to combine the UCLA loss that just happened and the Louisville championship loss that happened. Making that final game, being in the final game, getting hosed on a block call in the final game when the game was in the balance. That one made that one stung extra bad. And then the UCLA one from this year, UCLA, self-explanatory. That one, just for people to laugh at, I just laid on my uh, bedroom carpet for like two hours and just stared at the ceiling with like no sound, no music, no, just nothing. Just lay there and like looked at the ceiling. We just coughed away a chance to go to the final four and scored 49 points doing so. So that one's up there. Plus that one stunk because we had a million chances at the end of the game to win or tie the game. And when those don't go in, it hurts even worse. Have we all done three? To me. We all done three. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give some love, but also some hate. 2013 
Western Conference semifinals, Red Wings, Blackhawks, game seven goes into overtime and the entire NHL has to listen to the worst song of all time as the Blackhawks beat the Red Wings. Chelsea I think we were up in the series like two to one or something. Um, we were the underdogs, the Blackhawks were the favorites. And losing at Chicago, that's the the Blackhawks at the time they were dominating and like we weren't supposed to be in this position. We're kind of like on the back half. That hurt as a little young Red Wings fan, that hurt. I'm glad the Red Wings got some love in here because I didn't have any from them, but classic Red Wings guy Evan to to bring him into it. I'll go Pistons here. Okay. I was young. I'll I'll admit I was like eight or nine years old, but I vividly remember this moment and I believe I cried. <laughs> Little Alex cried in game five of the NBA finals against the San Antonio Spurs in 2005 when Rasheed Wallace goes to double and leaves Robert Ory wide open and he buries a three to win the game with 5.9 seconds left. And as a young Pistons fan, you got to remember this was like the golden era of the Pistons for us as kids. So this was like all we had. And I was so invested. We lost. I cried like a little boy. It was just devastating. And then we go on to lose the series after that. So it just sucked. Everything about that sucked. There's one that I was about to say, because but I'm going to change it, as I usually do in these. I will take the probably glaring one that's missing from the Michigan side is the trouble with the snap game. To me, though, I almost, I almost didn't take it just because it was just so shocking of a moment that I almost wasn't devastated, if that makes any sense in a weird way. Like, it was just something I've never seen before, probably will never, ever see again. So I wasn't, like, devastated. I was just like – and I drove home with Alex and your dad, and I just didn't say a word in, the like, the backseat. Like, I didn't – I didn't. there was no thoughts in my brain. I think I was like, yeah, that was crazy. Like, just jaw drop. Like, but obviously after you see it, it's almost more devastating now and, like, more annoying of a thing now. It's like you just – it will never, ever, ever go away. And I realized that, like, at the time, like, oh, maybe in, like, five years, like – They'll get blown over. You know, we won't talk about it as much. Like, no, it gets brought up at least like a handful of times a year. So it's never, ever going to go away. You just got to live with it. And it's just more like a hint of like sadness every time you see it on Twitter or like before a game or something like that. Does anyone have any other honorable mentions that they had? Lions yes. Packers on Monday night was really, really upsetting, even though it was a regular season game. But it uh, really, really pissed me off. Uh, the, the fake phantom calls. Not the Thursday night game. The uh, not the Hail Mary. No, not the Hail Mary game. The Trey Flowers calls. Got it. Sad that there's two of them, but there is that that one too though. The Hail Mary that one sucked as well. You could go to a lot. You could go to a lot of Lions once. That should be I its own show. I was super pissed about the Lions Falcons. Oh. Ten second runoff. He was down, but he wasn't down. Golden Tate scored. We would have scored. But I have one two. Three, I have three honorable mentions that weren't said. Um, Michigan State versus Texas Tech Final Four, because I think that was our best chance recently to go to the finals or win a championship. Texas Tech was Team Destiny, give them credit. Um, I also heard that <laughs> Cody, shout out longtime listener, uh, Cody and I were at a bar watching it. We didn't have tickets to the game, but we bought national championship tickets before mm-hmm. tip-off. We're like, yeah, Michigan State's got this in the bag. Um, so we had to resell that, eat a couple bucks each. 
I have Tigers versus Orioles, the entire series in the DS, oh. Oh. when we had the greatest pitching staff yep. assembled in like the last decade, and we sucked. Uh, shout out Brad Osmus for being the worst manager. Um, and then my last one, Alex, I think you were at my house watching this game. It was the Michigan State at Notre Dame and the 15 million pass interference calls we got on defense. Um, Didn't lose the game 20, the rest of the year. That was 2013. We went to the Rose Bowl and probably had one of the greatest teams that year. Like if we had college football playoff a year before, we won the national championship. You can't tell me otherwise. But we went to Notre Dame and we got hosed by some refs. There were some pass interference calls that were called correctly. Don't get me wrong there. But there were a lot of bad. A lot of them. And a lot. Bad. It was endless. Absolutely. It never stopped. Uh, off Evans, I had the Orioles. That was one, that was one I almost took. And I just highlighted the game to Delman Young double. I remember watching. It's like, are you kidding me? Because we know Delman Young. We know we played for us. We understand he's kind of washed up at that point, but still clutch in the playoffs. That stunk. The Lions one that made me think of which like not many people will it wouldn't come to the top of your mind, but it's because we took like a group of friends down. It was the Sunday night football game last week of the year versus the Packers for a division. The boys were absolutely buzzing, like wanting to win, and we just got curb not curb stomp, but we lost like in a classic it wasn't very close Rogers fashion where he scrambled around and made a play and like scored and we we're like but then the funniest thing about all Lions fans they can relate to is we were driving home like, you know what? Let's just go to Seattle and wild card weekend and win. Like we'll win that game, why not? I don't. We didn't score a touchdown in that game, um, and then this one. I would be curious to see how Michigan fans think. The JT one obviously hurt the worst, but I would say the Michigan versus OSU, the revenge tour year when we were favored, um, still kind of wild. We were ever favored at Ohio State, but we were because we lost in Notre Dame first game and then won out. And we're coming into that game supposed to win and just got a bomb dropped on us. Like it was like the sixty-two thirty-nine game. It was just. It was like a. It was like a game up until like the back half of the first half and the th- third quarter just got so far away from us. And like they gifted us almost a touchdown because they fumbled the kick return, which I've like never seen. They fumbled like on the five. They, the guy at the one up at the five dropped the kickoff and we recovered it on like the 10 and then scored to get back in the game. Like, all right, maybe this is our year to finally win. We're favored. And that just couldn't couldn't stop a. Uh, those little uh, cross crosser routes. That was the beginning of the end for Don Brown, like the crossing route, running man coverage, and a Curtis Samuel. Maybe not him. One of the guys, Paris Campbell, cribbed like a 70-yard touchdown on an outside zone. So that was great. And then last but not least, not Michigan sports, but me, but still personal to me, the Butler Bulldogs, when they lost to Purdue in the round of 32 in the tournament, I think that was the same year you guys lost to Syracuse. We were at LCA as well, and we were in control of that game. And then one of their uh, snipers hit a three, and Kamar Baldwin shot out, shot a half court shot that looked perfect, hit the rim, and everything didn't go in. That was devastating. Evan, you had one. I have one last one. Uh, this is more personal for Alex and I. This is a uh, this is a technically a Michigan sports show, and this was happened in Michigan. So I am quarterfinals flag football. Oh. Alex and I are on the same team. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, I'm not saying who lost the game. We lost a nail biter. It was a one possession game. Did it somebody drop a pass back at the end zone to tie it or take the lead? It wasn't me. I did throw the pass, and somebody on this podcast did drop it. Was it deflected and pouring rain and clipped my hands? Yes. Did I drop it technically? Yes. Did the whole wow. team play pretty bad? Yes. 
Whereas Evan making great throws in the rain, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Anyways, we were undefeated to that point, so that, that loss definitely sucked. That one sounds like it cuts We deep. should never even play that game in those, those conditions, but that's another right. story. <laughs> Michigan State losing to UConn, the Elite Eight, devastating. I thought that was the best team Michigan State has ever had. And Shabazz Napier shabazzed us. and then michigan state oregon at oregon football evan i think i was at your house for that we were beating them relatively easily throughout three quarters and then marcus Mariota, who won the heisman trophy absolutely exploded in the fourth quarter and we had no answer and we lost but a great moment from that game was jack conklin laying out a cornerback from oregon you should watch that grant if you have never seen it I think I've seen it. So I'll, I'll Google it again. I like highlights. It's great. So the so, game sucks, though. So, without any other ones, I believe, let's wrap this puppy out with some quick U.S. Open golf talk. Just real quick. Just leave oh the people God, with I our got my picks. Leave the people with our picks as Evan scrambles for his. Evan, just go on the fly. I'll, I'll start I, this one off. Then, Alex, you go last, Evan. My, we usually do favorite and kind of a long shot, but our long shots are kind of suspect because, like, they're not like way off the board. I will go with Dustin Johnson to win this tournament as my favorite. He just had a nice performance at Palmetto the week before, and he just seems like a guy that would win the U.S. Open. Has he won one before, Alex, my fact checker on golf? I think he has. Yes. And then my long shot will be my guy, my comparison, the Zally man, Will Zal Porus. Uh, he's got a great approach to the game. We've seen that he can rise to the occasion in, in major tournaments, and I like him to be in the mix at the very least and potentially win this thing. Rory McIlroy, favorite, <laughs> great driver of the golf ball. You need to hit fairways at the U.S. Open. Super important. There's no chance he wins this tournament, people, so uh, just save your time. Long shot, Gary Woodland has won a major before. Mm-hmm. That pick I like even better than Rory. What's wrong with Rory? He just stinks now. He He won like three weeks ago. He doesn't win majors anymore. Not many players do, Grant. He just doesn't. Not many players. Roy McIlroy is washed up when it comes to majors. Well, we'll see. Uh, My winner, I'm going to have Xander Shoffley. Nice. Uh, California kid from San Diego area. Uh, I like his game. Uh, And then my dark horse, not really dark horse, but hits his irons well. He's won a major before from California. I'm picking Kyle Morikawa. That's not a sleeper. Those feel like two favorites. That's not fair, Evan. You're going to have to go darker. He's plus 2,500. That's not – no. Farther down the list, that is vetoed. You can't pick him. Will Zellatorce is like five people behind him. I almost picked Morikawa as my favorite, and you're picking him as a sleeper? Everyone knows who he is. Gary Woodland's not even that far down. Yeah, everyone knows who Gary Woodland is. <laughs> they do. Yeah, everyone mean, knows who Will Zalatoris is. He's no real loud. No, no, we won't. I will not stand for this. You pick someone else. I, we can allow I'll offset with one deep, deep cut name that I heard bombed the golf ball. Justin Kokrak. He's a really good player. He's like plus 7,000. I like that. And he a lot. hammers he's the a great player. He hammers the golf ball, and I heard this course is long. I think all majors seem to be long these days, and the rough is thick. Um, but I like him to have a chance, and I think he was okay last week. 
What about the guy that won last Jason week? Jason Kokrak just won two weeks ago. Recently. He's playing good golf then. The I love kid it. who won last week? I Derek. don't believe he gets to play. Oh, he's in. He's in it now? Derek is in this thing, I believe. Maybe sprinkle a dollar on him? He's probably plus a billion. Evan, you got your dark horse, or are you just going to go? No, I'm not, cha- I'm not changing it. I'm picking my teal. It's a man right. of conviction. Make, make yourself feel better. And we can just sprinkle in Evan's guy, Victor Hovland, then, too, if you guys want to. Also, sticking a little bit lefty in there. You know what? Why not? Happy year, well, Phil. There's your deep cut. He's like plus of 8,000. Phil can't drive the golf ball. This course is not. Wrong. He drove the crap out of the golf ball. Devin, we, the longest drive for the PGA Championship. Evan, we both know that Phil notoriously is a terrible driver of the golf ball. I don't yes. think I don't think Phil oh. Mickelson will make the cut here. I don't either. This might be too much on his back and his body. This is hometown, dude. He's from San Diego. All right, Evan, put money on him. A lot of it. I will right now. Here we go. <laughs> I gotta get to my other account. <laughs> All right. Well, Evan does that. I'll I will read out the uh, the obligatory ending to the show. Our social accounts at Shot of MS on everything except for TikTok. Right? Yes. TikTok's at Shot of Michigan Sports. Our Gmail is Shot of Michigan Sports at gmail.com. The social accounts are to see our video clips posted from the week. You can comment to us there. We're always active in that. You can DM any questions. We appreciate those. D- DM any any hot tips that you see. We have a couple of people that send us like hot tips of things that happen in Detroit sports, and we appreciate that because we don't obviously see everything out there. We do our best. And then email is a better place for like any business advertisements anything like that questions as well um email and then you can listen to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or youtube three kind of like major players in the podcast game depending on where you're listening please rate review five stars subscribe leave comments share the links with friends again everything i just mentioned there is completely free subscribing on any of those platforms does not mean you actually subscribe with money it's just completely free. Just helps us in their like algorithm, so more people see us, um, which we appreciate. And as always, submit us questions. Evan, is that bet placed? Right now, I just found his name added. Phil Mickelson. What's his odds? Plus sixty six hundred. Yeah, that's good value, as they say. Put eight grand on it. No. <laughs> if I hit eight grand, I don't think I would. Uh... You would do this podcast with much better equipment. Yes, I wouldn't be in an unknown location right now. Yeah, if we hit that, oh my goodness, we have to get our own studio. I can't wait for our listeners to find out Evan's undisclosed location. So five dollars to win three hundred and thirty-five. That is good value. That's a great value. You put that on it. <laughs> Look how giddy Evan looks. Place. It's gonna be sad when he misses the cut. <laughs> He's super sad when he misses the cut. Please. You know what, though? I will cheers out episode 25 to Phil Mickelson winning the U.S. Open. Cheers to Evan making, hopefully, some big stacks. Cheers to all the pretty girls that were walking up to Mary Park Friday night. Cheers to those girls. <laughs> to that. And lastly, to Kate Cunningham. To the lot of them.